Hello and welcome to the first EM Insider of 2021. I'm joined from Brazil by Rafael Cassin. Rafael, how are you? Hi, Chris. Nice to chat again. So you're right in the middle of uh, your homeland, but also a very busy situation in Brazil with what we've seen over the end of February with Bolsonaro throwing his weight around, kicking Petrobras CEO out and also moves with Electrobras. Can you bring us up to speed? What's it like on the ground and how big an important move is that? Well, if you look at the overall scheme of things, it looks like, he, first of all, he wants to put more of his friends uh, in the government. He continues to give power away uh, first to the central center government, uh, central center political parties, um, and, which means, you know, power by power in Brazil, it means 100% money, right? Um, and, and now he's come up with the idea of Eletrobras and the post office privatizations. Um, I think that doesn't solve the problem. I think it's really an issue of getting your allies in strategic positions um, so that when the elections come up next year, uh, if you lose, they will stay in the position, if you, you know, if, if, or at least you can get their help. Um, the move on Petrobras also has a, an interesting background, which is the, the, the populist uh, side of, of Bolsonaro. He knows that the only way he can get reelected is, is to look for those votes. So, and, in, and, and um, fuel prices have gone up quite a lot with, with oil going up. Uh, so what he wants is to control Petrobras so that he can separate oil prices, a little bit like Venezuela, where international prices are high and local prices are subsidized. Now, Petrobras is quite an efficient company, and I'm not sure how that's going to work out. I think that that's a negative move, okay? Um, I think the Electrobras and the, the post office moves were, were made to try to counterbalance his public relations uh, fiasco. Uh, and I still would say that the finance minister uh, still has not come up with anything that would suggest his keeping his position for longer. Okay, and, and that's an interesting point. Uh, he is the darling of most uh, Brazilians in the financial market, but unfortunately he hasn't come up with a plan. And, and that's what finance ministers have to come up with. You can't just say, well, the politics doesn't support me, so I can't do it. Um, so what I would expect is to see, either see him doing something intelligent or potentially for him to even be sacked as we get close to the elections. Because at one point, Bolsonaro is gonna turn around uh, a la Trump and say, well, this guy hasn't helped me, so I'm gonna get rid of him. And that will support him on the populist vote. Well, okay, so that's you made what I that point in our in sorry to but in Rafael, but you made that point in the most recent column that you wrote for us for our March magazine that a lot of this seems to be gearing up for 2022 and the presidential elections. How many of these moves are sort of political machinations that have impact for investors? I think Bolsonaro is 100% political. Uh, he's he's also come up with some uh, some changes relating to the Amazon and how. Uh, miners can get into the Amazon, and, and that's something that goes in favor of his base again. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, that's not very good in the long run. So you can see that that is purely populist. Okay, now 
it may be that Bolsonaro wins in the next uh, election. I, I'm not sure. It's a little bit too soon to make that call. Uh, but I would still make the case that Bolsonaro or anybody from the right is much better than anybody from the left. The left in Brazil is brain dead. Um, and they're very old fashioned and, and, and they wouldn't do a good job for the economy. However, we have to see in the next months if we're going to have a contestant uh, for Bolsonaro. And, and that takes a while. If you, if you get your horse out in front too soon in Brazil and in a lot of places, but especially here, uh, people find a way to shoot, it, shoot him down. So I think that, that as we get towards the end of the year, beginning of next year, we'll see if there's a, a potential opponent. And if Bolsonaro continues to screw up on the COVID crisis, where he hasn't even bought enough vaccines um, and ruled out some of the vaccines, and, and now people, are, the people continue to die, right? Brazil is the country with the second highest death rate. Uh, then, you know, things might start getting complicated. But that's, that's kind of where we are. I, you know, look, we, we've had uh, um, the CPI for food in the last year was over 20%. And so I would say that at some point, if Bolsonaro isn't able to convince his people that it's, the, it's not the economy, it will be the economy. And then obviously we'll see if, if somebody else comes up. The governors, just to finish that up, the governors are beginning to, to, to uh, jump on him, uh, claiming that they should be able to buy the vaccines and like they did in Sao Paulo. And this is, this is an interesting uh, character. Uh, Doria in Sao Paulo uh, is actually a fantastic manager. Uh, he, he's been quite quick on dealing with things uh, with, in regards to COVID. Uh, and, and I guess, you know, unfortunately, he's not electable. He's too much of a of a, a right side guy, you know, he's, he's got, he's a wealthy guy. Um, so it'd be difficult for him to be elected, but never say never, you know, it, we, we'll have to see as we go well, along. I remember people saying never say never about Bolsonaro and here we are with him in power or clinging to power. And it seems like, like you said, nothing is, un, well, I was gonna say nothing is unpredictable, but it does seem exactly. like that even the most outrageous things can come to pass. Can we move on? Can we talk about another area where we are seeing a tussle for power at the moment? Ecuador. It's come up a lot in our podcast recently. They've they've gone through a restructuring. They seem to have done it the right way. And now they're in the process of changing their administration as well. Yeah, you, you're very well informed and you're good at this. Um, um, look, the, the they've had first round presidential elections. Um, they're going to have second round in April. The question at the moment is who is going to be the, the uh, who's going to be the, the who is going to be in the second round. Uh, Adaus is the guy who likes Correa. Uh, I don't think he would come up with an idea of defaulting. I mean, people know that that's that's kind of stupid. Um, and and there is a chance that his opponent is Lasso. At the moment, they're having a recount, and it could be either Lasso who is clearly uh, an economist, you know, right-wing guy, uh, or it could be an indigenous guy who would, or an Indian, I guess I should say, um, who is, uh, who could somehow uh, become his uh, a supporter if Lasso wins uh, to be the second round contestant. So I would say in Ecuador, it's too, 
too soon to predict. I wouldn't throw either the baby or the bath water out yet. Um, and I, so, cause it could go the other way, you know, it could go lasso um, for second round and then who knows what will happen. And um, we have to also remember that Ecuador has lots of oil and oil has been going up. So I don't think that they're having financial problems, especially after the restructuring uh, to put them in a difficult position. So I think, you know, the, the long, horrible prob probability will be that, that uh, Arauz wins and suddenly he says, yeah, I don't want to pay the debt. I want to restructure again. I think that that's highly unlikely. You say I'm very well informed, Raphael. I am basically just reading your column back to you that you send in every month. So I'm not going to pretend to have the knowledge there. And taking one thing from your column that you sent across is how the US tenure is performing and what that actually means for global markets and what that means for emerging markets. What What's the implication there? And why is it why is it rallying so strongly at the moment? Well, Chris, just just, you know, not to try to be nice to you. I, I think you're, you're, you're quite on top of things, man. It's not just my column. <laughs> Um, so, so yeah, uh, that was very nice. Um, look, um, the, the move that we've seen in the long rates in the States has been, in my opinion, a little bit exaggerated. If I, if I stood a little bit back and I, and I, if, or if a Martian landed here today, uh, he would see that there are lots of countries in the developed world and luckily, uh, England of Britain, I guess, um, uh, which are coming up with uh, vaccination and they're soon going to be back in business. And I would say that most of the developed countries that can't afford that, except for the European Union, where it seems to be, they seem to have forgotten that they want to save lives. Um, I think that, um, that we'll see recovery in the developed world. And, and I think most of the, the emerging market countries have not been able to afford slowing down or locking down that much. So they have continued to work. I'm in Brazil and people are, I, I mean, I'm stuck in traffic jams that I, I you know, like, I've, like I used to get stuck in before. So they, they've never really stopped. So I would expect that emerge, uh, developed econ economies will have a slowdown economically and that emerging economies will have some slowdown, but probably not as horrible. And, and so we're, so what we're seeing, if the Martian were wondering what the next step would be, uh, he probably would see some inflation. Yes, because there's lots of issuance, right? There's lots of money floating around. Uh, but the question is, is the 10 year at one and a half percent or even at 2% anything horrible for markets? Well, I would argue that if we're back on risk on, because economies are growing. And of course we have support from the Fed because the Fed's not gonna turn around and say, sorry guys, you know, the, the, the party's over. So until we get an inflation level that is consistently 2% or above, I think the Fed is gonna stay put, which means that the 10 year at one and a half, maybe one and three quarters, maybe even two, um, might be excessive at the moment, but you know, markets like to predict, but even if it were, and now this is where I like to be the Martian again. Um, I think when the 10 year was, before the pandemic started, uh, the 10 year was around 1.8% yield. And if we, and now we're, we're not there yet, of course, 
But importantly, emerging debt as a whole was trading higher. Okay, so emerging debt has not yet recovered 100% from where we were. And, and so I, I still see a little bit of room uh, for, for emerging debt to sustain and to continue clipping coupons. Um, I don't see the 10 year at, let's say, one and three quarters, 1.8% as a huge problem. Uh, I would see as a problem if we were much higher and we had an inflation problem. But with inflation at 2%, Chris, I think that, that of course, markets are doing what they always do. Yeah, of course. They ahead. But I, I would say that, and, and that's why I like to comment a little bit on the, on two things, actually, just to kind of, you know, close that, that part. Yeah, of course. Uh, we have equities at ridiculously high levels. And okay, we could have a little bit of a, of a downturn on the S&P. You know, we saw that in the last couple of days. But I think longer term, uh, equities will go back up because we're going to come back out stronger, right? So if, if we have all this pent up demand and all of a sudden economies open up, everything is going to go up. You know, there are lots of things that I want to do that I haven't done for the last two years. That's forward looking. So I think that that stocks may have a little, take a little breather now, uh, but at some point they will recover. And, and I, I was thinking a couple of months ago that, that that wouldn't happen, but now I'm, I'm more convinced. Um, another interesting thing, if we look, again, the Martian came up, right? You know, he saw that there's a, uh, there's a mission there, so he decided to come here on vacation to see what we're doing. Well, the performance of emerging debt this year up to today is down about 4%. And that's considering, you know, where things are with the, you know, it's mostly duration. Uh, that's gone, that's moved it down. Uh, on corporates, we're, that, we're almost flat on the year, down, down roughly uh, half a percent. Uh, in local currencies, yeah, they're down about 2%. So you've seen the brunt of it was taken on sovereigns. And I think a lot of it has to do with Ecuador because of the elections. And, and of course, with duration, right? So I would expect that we will eventually end the year somewhere between flat and 5%, uh, if not higher. It will, a lot of it will depend on how we come out of this and, and on this uh, mini crisis that we're having of people panicking and, and you know, shooting first and watching, checking later. But I, I think that, um, I think that the, the issue of, t of, of where we are and, and the 10 year rates is, is a little bit over-exaggerated at the moment. So the million dollar question to end on then, Raphael, is how do you invest in that scenario? Where do you put your money to work if that is the way that things are going to progress? Ah, this is a fantastic question, man. Uh, I have friends who have sold their emerging positions because they had 100% in emerging. Uh, I bought some emerging. I, I think I had about 30% invested, which is quite low uh, when things were at the bottom, right? And the reason I didn't buy that much is I wasn't sure how things were going to turn out, turn out. And maybe I was overly cautious. I've always been a little bit overly cautious. Um, and, and I'm not selling yet. Uh, or actually I'm not selling because as I said, as I mentioned to you, the stuff that I bought, I bought at levels that I had never expected to be able to buy uh, super low. Uh, and I don't expect that we will come back down to those levels. So, 
if I were an investor today, probably I would watch. I would probably start dipping at some point because we have gone down, uh, you know, 4% on the index is, is, is down, I think, quite a lot. Um, of course, it can go down a little bit more. I mean, you can imagine the treasuries go down another half a point, right? So that's half a point on a duration of eight years. Uh, that could be three, four uh, percent. But I think that we will be close to I mean, that's that's close to the worst that can happen. And remember, these countries pay coupon, right? So at some point, the coupon will counteract the fact that the duration loss. So I, I as I said, I, I would do slow dips in because uh, I think at in the at the, in the in, at the end of the day, it will look nice. Well, it's sunny here. It looks very sunny there. So I'm going to leave things there and go out and enjoy the summer, the sun. I think using, if I was a better journalist, I'd do a segue from you saying about dips to taking a dip into the, the beautiful ocean that you can see from your window. But sadly, I don't think quick enough. Raphael, thank you as always. Thank you for joining me. Chris, it's always a pleasure, man. Thanks very much too. And all the best.